and welcome to the Property Unleashed podcast with me, Mark Fitzgerald. And as you will see, if you are watching this or listening to it, you will hear I am joined by another special guest today. Today, I'm joined by Martin Rapley. Great to have you on the show, Martin. How are you? Uh, I'm very good. Thanks, Mark. It's really good to be here joining you on uh, on today's show. Thanks very much for the invite. No, my pleasure. My pleasure as always. I wanted to get Martin on today because he's got a wealth of knowledge when it comes to refurbishments, when it comes to being a, being a construction consultant at the end of the day. Uh, and really, he's got a fascinating story with his with his lovely wife as well. So, you know, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, sure. So so my background is actually construction. I left school. I worked for building contractors originally as a quantity surveyor. That's the person who looks after the finances of building projects and then um, drifted into project management and whole job management. Um, I, I did that for 20 something years. I set up my own construction business um, and stumbled across property investors because I went to a networking event and someone said to me, oh, if you want work as a, as a building contractor, Martin, why don't you go along to this property networking event that, that's on? Because surely the property investors will want builders. And so that was a, a real eye-opener for me. And I, 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 you know, I, I'm not the builder. I'm not the guy with the screwdriver and the hammer. I'm the person who knows who's got the screwdriver and hammer and make sure that they can operate them correctly. So I went along to the networking meetings as, as, a, as a manager looking for work. And sure enough, I had property investors falling over themselves talking to me wanted me to look at their projects, which was brilliant for me running a building business. But very, very quickly, I realized that I actually had massive skills that most property investors didn't have. And sadly, I had skills that allowed me to realize that a lot of property investors were buying the wrong properties or they were paying too much for the properties or were making some fundamental errors because they didn't know what I knew. Um, and so I decided that well, in 2013, I decided to wind up my building business. I'd been doing it for over 30 years, when well, yeah, nearly 30 years by then. And it was time to move on. And I said, right, I'm going to become a consultant and I'm going to become a consultant for property investors. So I went along to a one day training course, which happened to be a pin, meet, uh, pin course. Um, I'd, I'd got involved with Kent Pin by then. Um, went along to a one-day training course to find out what was taught about refurbishment. And, of course, on a one-day course, there's not a single mention of refurbishment. It was all about buying properties, motivated sellers, as you know, Mark. And I'd taken Sarah, my wife, along with me, um, really because I'd got a two-for-one deal. So, you know, we had a night away in a hotel, and I forced her to go through this uh, this training course the following day. But she saw property as a way of getting herself out of what was a fair she was in a fairly dead end job at the time she she's always been good at processes and she always built processes and then did herself out of a job effectively um when when everything became automated so she was looking for a career change we decided that property could do that and my business would be the nucleus of that so we ended up doing some more training and then we ended up doing 12 month uh, mastermind course with Simon Zucci in the end um, uh, with me trying to build my consultancy business. And I grew the consultancy business. I was really fortunate. I picked up quite a few clients you know, in the early days to help me get going and, and build the business. And then we started building property and putting property alongside it. But it got to a point in 2016 
a lot of people said to me, look, Martin, we can't afford to bring you in as a project manager on all of our projects. It's all right if we're building five flats, there's enough volume to justify paying for a consultant. But if we're just converting a house into an HMO, we can't afford you. Why don't you, will you run some training courses? Will you start teaching us how we can manage our own projects? And I've got no intention of doing training at all, although I've done it on and off in the past. And so I ran a training course and it was this real eye opener that you know, people would queue up and pay for me to teach them how to manage. And we were going along nicely running all these training courses. And then in course in 2020, we hit lockdown. So I very quickly put everything online. I put all my videos online, um, started doing a lot more online and started building a community uh, online and have kind of evolved the training now um, from sitting in a classroom and me teaching what property investors might want to know to uh, having this community where my community posts their questions onto the Facebook group when they have the question and they get the answer from me when they need the answer rather than you know me trying to guess what they might need. And, of course, we've all been in training courses where you, you leave with a, a nice wallet at the end of the day and you never look back at it and you forget some of the things you're taught. Well, that I realised that that wasn't working. And really, COVID just helped us flip the business online and flip the business into a slightly different situation. So that's where I am now, still a property investor, got some HMOs, got some flats, mostly in Kent where I'm based, uh, but and then do some consultancy work, do some and do training and things like that. So that's me in a nutshell. Well, in five minutes of a nutshell. <laughs> five minutes, yeah. The last, you know, however, how long in five minutes? But no, that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. And and just just rolling back a minute, you know, thirty years with a construction company, yet you didn't get into property, or did you? Did you buy properties and stuff at that time as well? Yeah. So actually, we bought one buy to let which now must be nearly 20 years ago now. And the only reason we bought that, well, there were two reasons for buying that. First of all, when Sarah and I met, we pretty much lived using my salary and it was my house and what have you. So so we had a spare salary. So we said, well, let's do something with that. And that was that was why we bought by today. And, and my uncle had, had worked in, uh, it was his whole career had been in civil engineering. He'd been in Saudi Arabia so he'd always bought property in the UK as his pension. And I remembered him saying to me, if you ever buy property, Martin, always buy a flat in a managed block, purpose-built flat in a managed block, because someone else deals with everything. He said, you haven't got to worry if the roof blows off, someone else will deal with that, which, of course, for him being in Saudi Arabia was the ideal thing. So we went out and we really said, well, where could we afford to buy a flat near us? And we bought a flat down on the south coast which we still own to this day, by the way. You know, we've had it 20-something years. But I, we talked about building a portfolio then, but we refinanced the flat and we, we redid our kitchen, redid the bathroom and bought a new car, not thinking or not knowing that actually we'd have done far better recycling that into another project. That just wasn't where we were at all. And when I'd had my construction business, we'd looked at how we could actually get going in property investing we dabbled in in the periphery but we'd not worked out we didn't know how to buy property creatively 
we didn't really understand about bridging finance. So we were looking for properties where we could add some value, but we couldn't really add massive value. And I wasn't, we just weren't thinking like property investors at all. So we kind of dipped out of it. And yet looking back now in my career, I must have worked for so many property investors, but I just didn't really know what I was looking for at the time, what made them stand out. And, you know, and ultimately how I became a property investor as well. And and that was – so when when we started doing the training with Simon Zucci, everyone used to, said to me, Martin, you must be an expert on this. You know all about this. And it was like, no, I know how to build, but I've got no idea how to buy a property. I've got no idea how to um, – you know, we didn't even – we don't manage our property, down, the, the one we've, we've had 20 years. So I didn't know how to manage it, but I – We'd only bought that. It was, you know, it was a right move advert. It looked like we could afford it, so we bought it. There was no nothing clever about it at all, um, and so that's that's where we started from. And and so I learned how to take my knowledge of refurbishment and construction and put the slant on it that it worked as a property, yeah, you know, for property investors. And over the years, I've worked out, yeah, you know, how I can t- teach property investors what to look for as far as good opportunities that need refurbishing. And and that, that was the train. Yeah, that's kind of where I've been for the last 10 years, you know, taking my skills and bolting it onto you know, a, a second second business, as it were. But at the same time, we've become property investors. So we've, you know, we've not only taught people, but we've gone and done it ourselves. Well, that's, I think, as the age old saying goes, you don't know what you don't know. So you can actually, like you were involved in it and everybody, even from me, from the outside, that's why I asked you the question is you'd have thought you'd, you'd be thinking to yourself, you know what, we're making some good money construction. People are doing well here. Maybe I need to start doing this myself because I've got the team to do it, but we don't, we, we, we're sort of blinded by the fact that we, we don't step out of our own comfort zones or, or look at new things. And that's where I always say it myself as well. Training comes in. Because if you if you you know if you go to the right training, you learn the right strategies that suit your needs. It opens up a whole world to you, and of course, you can take your expertise of construction of refurbs and be able to help people who are very good at going out and finding deals, but are scared of doing refurbs, are scared of getting ripped off by tradespeople, are scared of the whole sort of planning projects and everything like this. You've you've got that down pat. For you, it was sort of the opposite. You had to go and work out how to get the deals to then be able to do this with, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I met met Simon Zucci very early on at a networking meeting. And he said to me, Martin, you'll know this property investing because you know the bit that most people don't. And and of course, at the time, it just didn't mean anything to me at all because I didn't realise that, you know, I didn't really understand at that point that property investors didn't know how to refurbish because I thought it was just, I, I thought everyone knew it because I'd come from a career, I'd come from a business where, you know, where everyone I worked around knew how to manage construction projects. So you forget that, of course, most people don't. And, and you know, the, this is this thing that everyone says, everyone has got a skill somewhere. And I had this skill and I just didn't know how to use it outside of the, the narrow career I'd, I'd followed of, you know, of refurbishing. Um, yeah, and I'd, I'd refurbish some stunning buildings, some lovely banks and museums and offices and things in London, and I'd done some low end. So I've done a bit of absolutely everything, but never once did it cross my mind that I could have done it in a different format from how I was doing it. And of course, 
what you actually know is the hardest bit. What, what I actually think is one of the hardest bits in property investing, because, you know, getting your numbers right, getting your refurbishment right, getting your team around you correctly makes or breaks a deal at the end of the day. Yes, we can try, try and buy it at discounted prices or creatively using different strategies. But if you're looking to add value and you get that wrong, it can end up costing you an absolute fortune, can it? So I'm guessing, you know, by the way that you can help investors yourself now, you know, it's, it's an absolute no brainer because by getting somebody like yourself to be able to consult them, to be able to help them in, in the packages that you put together really means that they'll, they'll save the cost of your services, you know, in one deal at the end of the day by not making costly mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and this for me is the frustrating thing, really, because I talk to people all of the time and I see them on social media and I just see these mistakes going on all of the time. And I, as you know, there, there was someone the, the other day that I got involved with on a periphery. Um, actually, I was doing a bit of work for a lender and the lender asked me to give them a bit of support. And uh, I asked them a question and they came back a week later with the solution. They said, yeah, we've paid a consultant to solve the problem. And it was like, do you know, you could have done that for free. There was a way of solving that problem for free. I couldn't really give them the answer because I was working on the other side for the for the bank. But had they come to me as a client, there was a free way they could have solved this problem. And yet they've probably spent £2,500 on a consultant to solve it for them. And it's not rocket science. And I've got, I know all of this stuff. And it's like, that's, it, it, oh, there's another one. And then I see someone on Facebook and they say, Oh, we had all of this problem, but I think we've solved it now. And it's like, yeah, I think you had that problem because you missed out stage four of the process six months ago, and it's now bitting you. Now you're on site, and it's like, you know, I've got this process. Had you been working with me, that's the kind of thing that I look to. You know, I look to make things much smoother and much more streamlined. And that's, you know, that's not. Of course, if you don't understand the process. You just just work it through. And sadly, there's a lot of property investors that have got gaps in their knowledge, as, as everyone you know, as everyone has somewhere. And, and it doesn't matter if you buy a buy to let property and you refurbish it and you spend a bit too much money on it. You perhaps leave a bit of money in there. Perhaps you do a deal with your investors. You, you, you rent the property out and after a while it all comes good. But if you replicate those bad methods and bad techniques up into the next size property and then into the next property, suddenly you're building eight flats with the same poor techniques and that little £15,000 error two years ago is now a £200,000 error. And and that is, that is the message I'm trying to get across to, to a lot of property investors is, yeah, learn it correctly on the small ones. Don't replicate those bad errors on the small ones because once you get up to bigger things, you've got life-changing money. And you know, and and the worst case, you know, some investors I got involved with a number of years ago managed to lose eight hundred thousand pounds on a deal um, through getting some fundamentals wrong. Uh, and the first fundamental was me telling them that they should not have bought the property for the price they were buying it. But yeah, they they persevered with it, and they got their houses repossessed because they didn't understand what they were taking on, and they'd done a few little buy to lets, and they thought, oh, we can buy this this big block of offices and convert it into flats, and it wasn't as easy as they'd thought it was, and they had some bad 
you know, you know they, they just didn't realise the logistics of doing a bigger project and you know, caught them out, unfortunately. And that's the message I want to get across to people is, you know, don't do that. Don't be another investor that loses £800,000 for the want of getting some education and some support. Exactly, exactly. And of course, uh, you've done the mastermind program. And I, I think it was my year on mastermind was when I first met you because you come in and you talk to the masterminders and, you know, yeah. you share some tips and tricks. And of course, you know, moving, moving yourself forward and, you know, what to look out for, which is always, always important. But I mean, like I say, with, with, I always talk about education. I talk about, you know, gaining the knowledge and things like that. For yourself, obviously, I've done, I've done mastermind, you've done mastermind. What did you What did you take most, so to speak, from Mastermind that you could you could br- just bring into your world, and you just you know a couple of aha moments that clicked for you that you thought you know what we can fl- we can fly now. But well, I think the thing for Mastermind for me was I love the the strategies to acquire properties, and because I because I re- I realised that it was not just a case of popping down to the local estate agent and finding a property that's run down. I realized that generally you couldn't make enough profit. By the time you'd taken out your fees and your stamp duty, you know, the, the, the properties on the open market were not, not easy to make money from. But what I realized and learned from Mastermind was that property that's on the open market that can be converted into a six-bedroom HMO and refurbished suddenly – looks to be something that is is a potential deal and so we were I, I got into this this whole place where it was like right okay so I can refurbish the property but what else can I do yes I can convert it into an HMO yes I can move the kitchen out of a fl- one-bedroom flat into the living room and make a two-bedroom flat I can di- I now understood short leases and how to negotiate those but then I also learned things like, you know, exchange with delay completion, lease options. And so this was very much, I'm not, I don't think we've bought anything that hasn't needed refurbishing because we, you know, that's the first tick in the box. But generally everything we've bought is refurbished and something else. And the something else was generally what I picked up from what, what we learned from Mastermind, these other strategies, these other ways of using property, other ways of acquiring property, and to some extent, other ways of you know, financing property using private private investor funds as well. So, yeah, I think it, it was really just to help us realise that you 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 can't just go and buy something off from the local estate agent. Generally, you've got to be you've got to have wider knowledge, and it was that wider knowledge that we got from Mastermind. And and but then also the the business side of it, and Sarah and I learned how to work together because we'd not worked together as a business previously. So yeah, we kind of worked out all of that. And as you know, we do wealth dynamics, and you know we worked out our skills and where our gaps were, and you know what elements of the business each of us needed to get involved with. So yeah, it was a real yeah. I mean, it was a brilliant year. It was a pivotal year in in everything we, we did. We, we've gone on and done loads more training since. And in fact, you know, that was the whole thing. You spend a bit of money on a one-day training course, then you spend a bit more money on a three-day training course. And then someone says, oh, yeah, it's quite a bit of money. You can come for 12 months. And it's like, do we spend all of that? But, of course, with the knowledge you get, you get that back every single deal you do and some. 
And so it's, I look back now and it's like, if I added up everything I spent on training, which started with PIN and Mastermind and on to other things I've done since, you know, it's tens of thousands of pounds. And yet, you know, some deals make more than that, you know, and, and it's like, well, why would I not do education? And yet I left education kind of in my mid-20s having done a, a part-time degree and never, ever had any idea that I'd go back to education and spend money on education. It seemed like something you did not you know, when you were young. And yet now I can't get enough education. It's, you know, who's offering me a good course that am I going to learn something from? You know, then I'll seriously consider it because I've realized the benefit of just speeding everything up. I could have watched YouTube and, you know, read on social media how to do things, but never would I've got, got going as quickly as I did without Mastermind. Well, that's it. And like you say, there's other training as well. I'm always looking for training. I always do my due diligence, but I make sure that I surround myself with the right people because I actually know that even if I take one or two nuggets from it, potentially, as long as it's the right thing for me to be doing, I can make a fortune. Uh, and, and, you know, Mastermind for me was was over £20,000 when I did it myself there. But I've made hundreds of thousands of pounds since then, you know, since having all the knowledge. And it's as much about your mindset I think, as it is, you know, property investing and stuff like that. And of course, people can go and do, you know, three day accelerators, like you say, people can go and do courses and stuff like that. But then what I find is, and I, and I think you're on the same page as me here, and I do the same thing with my training is people can do a course and then they're left to their own devices. Now, at the end of the day, if you're left to your own devices, there will be holes in the training. The training can be as good as you like. It can be online. It can be whatever. But at some point, somebody will probably put something towards you because not all properties are the same. There's always different mm. elements that go wrong on the, and that can happen. And I always say it's, it is about surrounding yourself with the right kind of people, which are like-minded individuals, all striving to achieve. Now, they might not be striving to achieve exactly the same results, but they're all striving to achieve. But they're all also looking out for each other. They're helping each other. They're supporting each other. And it's about really being able to ask those questions when you're on the job. Do you know what I mean? So when you're maybe six months down the line and you did this training six months ago, you're not going to remember everything. And it might not cover that because it might not be specific for your uh, for your deal or, or what you're doing. And I know for because we were talking about it just before that on your your training now, like you say, you have you know a Facebook group where people can ask you questions and you I take it you go live or something on the Friday and you answer these questions so that people get you know up to date, um, you know, results and help as they're going along. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. That was my realization, you know, exactly the same as you, Mark, that, you know, you, you can learn so much in a training course, but unless you go and implement it the following day, you're going to forget it. And of course, you, whilst you might go out the following day and look for a property that needs refurbishing, it's it's six, eight months before you're actually managing the builder. And then it's like, well, what did Martin say about managing the builder? And what was that, that little tip he gave us right before tea break and things like that? So, so that's really what led me to pivot everything into, you know, and I call it, you know, I call it my community. And, and it is exactly that. Post the questions during the week and on Friday morning, I'll be live on Facebook answering this week's questions. And, and some of those questions are from property investors that have you know, literally gone out and looked at a property and they've taken a photo and they said, I've seen this thing. What is it? How do I fix it? Other people are saying, here's a floor plan. Where's the best place to get an extra bathroom in this one? You know, and then other people are saying, well, I took this. My builder told me this. 
but I wasn't quite sure what he was talking about. But I didn't want to say I didn't know what he was talking about. Can you explain? And and of course, you know, they they're getting their answer within seven days. You know, at the worst, if they are, you know, if they ask it at twelve o'clock on a Friday, they've got to wait seven days for the answer. But most questions come in, you know, Wednesday or Thursday. They've got their questions answered really, really quickly. And and because I've got time to discuss it, I, it's not just yes, no answers. I can go a little bit wider. This is this is what the builder was trying to explain to you. Or this is the reason you've got this. This is the reason why I wouldn't put the bathroom where you've got it shown on that floor plan. You know, these are things to have a look at. And, of course, other members of the community then say, they, they then start posting in on Facebook saying, oh, I looked at one of those the other day. Now I understand this or or we did it this way. And and I'm now seeing contacts being made outside of the, the Friday calls where you know, where other people are, are almost becoming the expert. And they're saying, oh, we know I've got a con- I've got a specialist that will help you with that. Or we used a consultant to solve that um, or, or you know, here's a supplier that we use for that product. So. It's good that you know they're starting to support each each other. It's taken me a while to get going. It it's it, you know it took a while to get going from COVID and of course getting new people getting used to being on Facebook and and I I will openly admit I did some Facebook lives where no one joined me live in the early days and I'm just sitting there chatting away and I've got a couple of you know carefully uh, prepared questions that haven't genuinely come in from the group. They've come in from other people I've spoken to. But now I tend to get 15, 16 people live, and I get feedback from others that have listened, I know have listened to it since. I met someone the other day, and and she said, you know, she's never seen me, didn't know what I looked like. She'd only ever listened to the the audio version of it, um, but knew exactly what my voice was. Um, and and uh, you know, kind of tracked me down to come and meet me in real life because she'd been listening to me for quite a while, but never, you know, never really seen me and understood who I was and you know what I looked like or anything. So, yeah, it's good. Uh, uh, yeah, and I enjoy, I enjoyed it, and I enjoy being able to just tailor my answers to suit the people, the, the exact question, rather than giving generic stuff out, which is kind of what happens on a training course. You can just give out generic stuff. And and the, the world isn't generic. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's not at the end. And like I say, there's, there's probably never really one property that's exactly the same as, you know, you can buy two properties in the same street, but you probably will have different problems with them because, they, you know, they are living and breathing animals, so to speak, aren't they? Properties, the way they're treated, the way they're lived in and things like that. Yeah, so I, I think the community thing's brilliant. I, I do the same on a Friday. It must be a Friday thing. Yeah. My community is just going in there, seeing how the group going, supporting people. But the power is in the community as well. Like you say, people are, are linking up with each other. They're supporting each other. They're helping each other. Uh, and, of course, you know, that that is what it's all about because then, you know, you've, you've always got that help around you and, and connections and your community is, is massive. So... I think it's great. I think it's really, really good what you put together there. So if somebody was was thinking about doing a refurbishment, maybe they're looking at a property at the moment and they're listening to this, what would be your sort of, you know, three or five top tips that you would say, you know, from, from your experience dealing with new people that maybe they either forget or overlook or, or anything like that? Um, well, I, I think there's four things I, I can give. Um, and these are the four things that I've worked out over the years because I had to take my construction knowledge and kind of adapt it to 
property investing. And I looked at what what were the key elements that made a prop a project successful from a property investor's perspective. So the the four key elements, and this is what I, I you know I, I talk to to everyone about really is number one is you've got to do a decent appraisal of the property in the first place. You've got to be totally clear what you are aiming to achieve. Yeah, are you creating an HMO for students? Or is your HMO going to be for professionals? Are you creating a flat for a single you know, AST or are you working in the, in, in the service accommodation market and you've got holidaymakers? Because all of those different demographics need have different needs and different requirements. So when we've got an idea of what we're aiming for, we can first of all say, well, is this the property in the right area to, to deliver this? Uh, and, and, you know, and, and, Sadly, you know, not everyone realizes that. But then we can say, right, now we've got to deliver this. We, we can work out the cost of delivering this. We can work out the cost of the consultants and the cost of buying the property and the finance and probably add some profit in. And then we can say, well, if we deduct all of that off the value of this end property we're creating, then this is the price that we've got to buy the property for. The, the price we buy the property for isn't 20 grand less than it's on the market for because I've had a bit of a haggle with the estate agent, if that doesn't make money. So doing this, getting this appraisal right, first off, be clear what you're aiming to achieve and working out the, the right price is so key. Because if you haven't, if you've overspent buying the property, then now you're forced to cut some corners. And now you don't deliver the quality of the property you wanted to deliver. Or you bought in the cheap builder who can't deliver it for you shoddy workmanship disappears with your money and things like that. Whereas if you've got the money there in the first place, it's easy. So that's number one. Number two is being totally clear what you need to do to your property, as I've mentioned, but putting that in writing, make that a schedule of works so that you are telling everyone what you want to achieve. You shouldn't be leaving the specification of anything to your builder. Because your builder will pretty much go and buy the white option or the cheap option, which may not be appropriate for your ideal property that you've got, you've got in mind. So if you know if you want fancy doors and fancy door handles, then you need to tell the builders that that's what you want. And if you've got a good schedule of works, then when the builder actually starts working on site, they're not on the phone every five minutes asking you a question because you've already told them what you want. And you also know that all of the builders that price the project are pricing on the same scope. They're not having to guess or, or interpret anything. So that would be number two is you know, not only be clear what you want, but actually get it written down in a way that the builders and anyone else involved, you know, lenders and partners are all aware of what you're doing. And then number three, of course, is you need to have a good builder. Um, and, and the most important thing here is to... I I think that price is not the most important driver here. Quality builders are not necessarily the cheapest. If you've got a cheap builder, the likelihood is that they've made a mistake, not always, um, and then, then they start to cut corners. So select the best builder. The way to get the best builder is to start with a long list of potential builders, 12, maybe even more than that, whittle that down, be critical, whittle it down to a sensible number, get prices from six builders, 
to expect to get three or four actual prices at the end of the day. I talked to so many property investors that they were talking to two builders. One fella went on holiday, so they've got to use the other builder. And it's like, you know, you've been forced to use what may not be the best builder. Whereas I tend to tend to promote most of my projects to seven or eight contractors. One goes on holiday. One decides he doesn't want it. You know, one, one doesn't price. At least we've still got four prices coming and we can choose the best builder for the actual scheme that we're doing. So that's that's number three. And then number four comes down to the management of the project. And, and remembering that the management starts the day we buy the property effectively, or, or even as the purchase goes through, the project management of the scheme starts early. And of course, the project management it finishes, you know, maybe it finishes in years and years and years time after you've sell the property, or maybe you consider it finishes once you rent it out and you give it to an, an agent to, to manage it for you. Um, and there's a lot of process in there. And, and what I teach is that the real process is the work before the builder starts on site. If you can get that process right, managing a builder will be easy. And I generally only go to my projects once a week because I know that I've got things lined up properly. Now, if you're a property investor that's got another business, if you're CEO of another business, you are not going to have the time to project manage your scheme. Therefore, you've got to outsource that job to someone else. Therefore, that cost has got to be reflected back in your original appraisal where there's a line for project management and you outsource the whole thing. If you've got the time, have you got the skills? Do you know that process? If, you, if you've got some skills, you've got some background in construction, you'll know that pro- a lot of that process, and or if you're willing to learn, you'll be able to do. You, you, you know, you, you can guide you. I, I guide lots of property investors through that. So, um, but it, the key thing in there, I haven't mentioned at all that you delegate the management to a builder. See, builders, project managers manage the building work, but actually, someone needs to think about this whole process from start to finish, rather than just that little time when when the builder's in and remember i'm i've kind i'm almost poacher turned gamekeeper here i was that project manager for a contractor and whilst i might have led my clients to believe that their desires were top of my mind rest assured they weren't my desires my employer's desires me making a bonus me making profit for my business was top of my mind and my clients' desires were definitely lower down the priority list. And I would go to my client with what were perceived as some really good you know, changes, some improvements, some ways I could save them some money. Rest assured, I'd taken the lion's share of that money and were offering them a small carrot to help me make more profit. And so now this is me flipping it the other way around, saying you've got to be organized. You've got to be on top of your builders. You've got to be on top of your project from start to finish and if that's not your core skill then look to get trained or look to outsource it and factor that cost into your original appraisal so those are the four things appraisal uh, scheduler works a good builder and then clear concise management oh that's brilliant absolutely brilliant thank you ever so much for the in-depth detail on that as well <laughs> really really enjoyed that i've been making notes myself and yeah. I think that- I think good builders are, are, are what everybody's sort of fears the most. 
at the end of the day because it's getting ripped off, so to speak, isn't it? But like you say, it's it's about you know having you know seven or eight different uh, sort of building firms or builders around to to propose your 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 plans to, if you like, your building schedule because. What we what we have to and I, I see this uh, a lot myself just by chatting to people is everybody expects a builder to want to do your project. Now there will be people out there that won't be interested in it. They'll look at it and they'll think to themselves, "Nah, that's not for me." Now they might not want to say to you your face, "That's not for me." They just disappear. You can't get hold of them. It's not that they're really really busy. They're just not interested in your in your deal. So you like you say. It's having a whole host of different people lined up to find the right team or the right builder to work with, isn't it? Yeah. And when you find the right builder, you'll want to keep hold of them. And I'm working with a builder on some of my projects at the moment. They don't know it, but they're not even in competition because I know they can deliver. I've got the experience to know if their prices are wrong and we'll have a little bit of a haggle on some of them sometimes. But when you get the right builder, you'll suddenly realise that you want to keep hold of them and you want to look at, look after them. But you'll also start to see other benefits. That that right builder will give you some help to put in your appraisals together in the first place. They're also the person, you, you know, you'll ring them up and say, oh, I've just had a door fall off around the corner in my HMO. Can you send a carpenter around? And you'll never get an invoice for it because it's yeah. just part of their service of, of working with you. So, when yeah, when you get the right builder, you'll, you'll absolutely know about it. But you've got to be critical. And and I say to I say to people, you know, you should be looking for any reason not to work with a builder. If you if you're talking to a builder pre, pre, prior to starting a project and you show them around a project and you can't understand what they're talking about, well then don't try and work with them. You know, if they've got an accent that you just can't connect with, don't try and work with them. You know, if you if you, if they just keep talking and talking and you think, oh my word, I want to punch this bloke on the nose then yeah, don't punch him on the nose, but don't work with him either because you've got to have a business relationship with this person. And and I, what a lot of people forget is, you know, even people with a corporate background, you know, if you've been in a corporate world for a while and you were setting up, let's say, a £50,000 contract with a supplier, that would happen over a series of meetings There'd be some formal terms and conditions that both parties would check they were getting what they wanted. And yet, for some reason, we're quite, we, uh, some people are quite happy taking on board a builder that's going to do £50,000 worth of work based on a scrappy bit of paper and a, and a telephone call. And it's like, yeah. but we've got to think about this. We are running a proper business ourselves. The builders are running a proper business. We need to do that due diligence and research and meetings. And we need to make sure we're both in the same place. And and if we've given the builder every opportunity to perform, the the builders will actually perform. There was just something you touched on early, in, in your little intro there, Mark, was that when I was a builder and, and we couldn't always price every project that came in. And, and so we our standard answer was we're too busy. That was the standard answer. Now, some of the projects we didn't price were because they were badly presented to us. They looked like our clients didn't really know what they were going to do. And it looked like it was going to be a tough job for us to manage. So if you're, you know, if anyone's talking to builders and builders are continually saying we're too busy, there's a good chance that you're not coming across as credible and not coming across as though you know 
what you're doing. Now, you don't need to know everything, but if you can demonstrate that you've got a proper schedule of works and the architect has given you some proper drawings to go with that, then you're already way, way higher up the list of, you know, of builders that are busy. And as I say, we, we used to get some shoddy work, even from consultants that should have known better. Um, so you don't have to do you don't have to be stunning to stand out. You just need to demonstrate to the builders that you're credible and you've thought this scheme through and you've got a realistic budget for it and a realistic time frame. And then they'll want to work with you. Absolutely. They want to work with you. No, that's great. And so many points that you've touched on there as well. But I, I always say to everybody, and I say it on this podcast all the time, is treat your property investing as a business. But equally, what you've said there is so do the builders. You know what I mean? Whether they're sole traders or what, they're looking at their own interest. They want to make money. They don't want to do any work and scrimping and saving. You know, they want, like you say, they want a proper budget. They want to budget themselves. Now, they, you like you say my man with your expertise can tell if they're starting to take the mickey or not and of course if people are in your community they can ask for your advice on things like this as well but at the end of the day if your builder can make their money do their job as slickly and easily because they don't want hassle they want to turn up do what they've got to do and move on at the end of the day but if they can make their money you can make your money you can keep things relatively on schedule it's a win-win for everybody and i think Far too many people that I talk to, and you, you'll, you'll see it a hell of a lot more than me. Um, they they, they want to scrimp on the building. They want everybody to do everything so cheaply because obviously it's all about maximum profit. But then they wonder why they're scratching their head. They can't get hold of a builder. Like you say, a door's fallen off and nobody will go back and sort it out or anything like that. Yeah. And it's all about building up relationships, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a a absolutely. And, you know, particularly if we're going to refurbish a property to rent out and hold for the longer term, we don't want things to be breaking every few months because we've cut corners and scrimped and saved earlier on. Yeah, that will cost us far more in the longer term. We, yeah, we want good quality workmanship in properties that are going to yeah, run for a, a good long time and not need essential maintenance where we've, where we've tried to save money. And this, this is why I say the first part of the whole process is get the appraisal right. Get mm. the right cost in the budget for doing the work properly and 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 don't look to yeah and don't get to a point yes we don't want builders running away you know with ludicrous prices but don't feel that you have to knock 10 percent off every single builder's price you've got because they'll get to a point where they'll just they might do it once but they won't do it a second time they won't work for you you know ongoing because they just don't need that hassle and as you say, they've got a business. They want to earn money. I want everyone to make money from the process. If everyone makes money, then I know when I make the phone call, they're going to come back to me and say, yeah, Martin, happy to work for you because we know we can make money. You give us every opportunity to get it right. You pay us promptly. You know, we, we have a little bit of a haggle and a little bit of a, a joke at the end of it, but nothing serious. Yeah, we want to do more work for you. And, and really, you know, that's where, as a property investor, you want to be. Because that's how you can turn around your projects really fast. I, I bought a project. We completed on a Friday. I, I did a schedule of works on a Friday. I sent it to my assistant on Saturday morning. I then went on holiday on Sunday morning. I got an email from my assistant the following Wednesday from my builder saying, here's, here's the price he's come back with. I replied with a couple of little queries and bits and pieces. The following Monday he was on site and I came back from holiday. Now, that's the relationship I had with him. I knew I could trust him. 
I knew that he was the right person for this project. I also knew he had the availability to do it. And within a week, he's actually started on site. I didn't have to do loads of due diligence and check him out. I, he was also happy to start without anything more formal than an email from me because we'd worked together before, even though we formalized it up after a day or two. And that's what you want is a good relationship. Now, was he the cheapest? No, he wasn't. He wouldn't have been the cheapest. But was he the best? Absolutely. And did we, as a result, get the job finished nice and quickly to a good high standard and got better rent as a result and got tenants in nice and quickly, which actually, we, you know, is, is what some people have haggled off the bottom in the first place is only what we gain by getting better tenants in there. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And of course, where you think you're getting loads of cheap and savings, if the builder disappears or they do a shoddy job, it'll cost you more in the long run anyway. So that price at the beginning actually is probably, you know, if you'd have gone for a cheaper price, you'd have probably ended up paying that price in the long run anyway for a time, stress, effort and all of those sort of things. So, you know, listen to what Martin's saying here, because it, this is gold, absolute gold. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's the message I try I try and get across that, you know, it it's not all about doing everything on the cheap. I think when I came into property investing, you know, when I first came into this circle as a builder, which was you know, 2011, 2012 kind of time, that HMOs were just starting to take off. We were still definitely doing everything in white and magnolia and and properties were pretty much you know done as cheaply as they possibly could be i i then as you've seen you know we've had co-living we've had much better interior fitting out um you know and we've started using colors and things like that so our competition is you know our our, our, our marketplace has, has risen and you can't deliver those kinds of properties on the budget that we were delivering properties two years ago because you, you 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 just can't buy those quality materials for the budget prices that that you know we we were converting and of course building regulations have improved as well so we've got we've got to factor those in so it, there's just no point if you're buying a property the value in the property is the asset there is no point in cutting corners and effectively devalue devaluing your asset by not refurbishing it and looking after it properly yeah and uh, yeah and if i go back 20 something years now i was working for a building contractor and we were doing a lot of work for the local authorities back in the days when local authorities had big housing stocks we were doing maintenance and repairs and what we call void turnarounds when tenants moved out refurbished moved, new tenants go in the council's policy on maintaining their properties was if something's broken we get the build around to fix it. Every five years, we'll paint the outside of our houses. Every eight years, we'll paint the inside of our houses. And that's a policy that to this day means that some of the local authority and housing association-owned properties are some of the best properties in the country because they were maintained properly every time there was a problem. They were, you know, and they were painted up properly and looked after. Not sure how housing associations work now, possibly not quite as well as that. But the moral here, guys, is, you know, look after your properties. Don't cut corners on them because the property is your asset and that is your legacy. And that's where the value really is. You'll you'll earn some money in the short term from your tenants. But the real value is the property that you buy in the first place. 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I've seen so many myself in building my business as well. There was loads of, re, you know, new refurbished HMOs and stuff. And everybody used to say, well, maintenance won't cost you anything maintenance because they're newly refurbished. I actually say they were some of the worst because yeah. there was always things going wrong. Plumbers hadn't pushed pipes in, so you'd have leaks and, it, you know, ceilings was ca I said at the end of the day, if it's been there for, you know, 12 months, 18 months, then probably it's in a better shape. And that may give me less maintenance, but you're always going to have you know, maintenance issues. And it's about, like you say there, being proactive, getting straight in there, solving the problems uh, and getting them done as, you know, and looking at it as a long-term thing. I'm going to fix this, not just for the next six months. I'm going to fix this for the long-term because it's looking after your asset, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it is that change of mindset from we've got to do everything on the cheap to we've got to look long-term. And, yeah. and of course, you know, some people in property are, investing now for yeah their children's legacy their children's children's legacies so some of the property that you know we're buying now could easily be in the family portfolio for another 100 years so you know not that anything's going to last 100 years without some maintenance but you don't want to be fixing something with sticky tape and glue every few months because you bodged it in the first place you know, get it right in the first place and it will definitely last longer for you. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Well, I'm conscious of your time, my friend, but there are a few questions that I always like to ask every guest that I have because I'm always interested. Yeah, in that's their right. Answers. That's right. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Absolutely fine. What's, um, so what's the best advice you've been given? The best advice I've been given relating to... I, I th I'll tell you what, the, the best advice I've been given, and some people might not agree with this, is I've been told to charge for my skills and knowledge. I give away far too much for free, and the advice I keep being given is charge for your time, charge for your skills and knowledge, um, and don't give away so much for free. I know I've done this for free, but, you know, you get a limit on this. Um, so, yeah, I, I think... That that would be my my biggest thing is you know, value your skills, charge for them where where you can because otherwise you well effectively you go broke eventually, yeah. Um, yeah. and and I've been close to that in the past because I've given away far too much of my time for free. So yeah, yeah value your much. time, value your skills, brilliant. value your time. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, if you weren't doing what you were doing now, and you had to work in, so to speak, the corporate world or have a, a nine to five job, but you could choose any job. What would you go do? Um, actually, uh, someone else asked me this recently. Do you know I'd go back to quantity surveying for a building contractor? I I loved it. It's it's not super high pressure. There's a, there's a lot going on, but it's not super high pressure. And just looking after the finances, it's not ultimately you that's responsible for the final delivery. You're just delivering the financer. So I'd go back to where I started in my 20s and go back onto a building site and be a quantity surveyor. Uh, I don't think there's anything else I want to do. No, my dad used to be a quantity surveyor. He's retired now, but, yeah, he, yeah. he enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Good stuff, yeah. good stuff. Um, if you could sit down with three other people at a dinner table, whether they are alive or dead, who would you like to sit down and have dinner with and chat to? Um, so definitely Nelson Mandela um, and uh, definitely Richard Branson. But difficult to say who the third one would be. So those are the two. If you'd asked me for two, it would have been easy. It, is, the, is there a third one in there? 
Do you know, I, I think it would probably be it would probably be someone like Prince William or someone like that just to get a very different slant on the whole thing. I think I might a few years ago I might have said Prince Harry, but I think that's a bit too controversial now, isn't it? But I think it would just be nice to get a very different slant on the whole thing. No, that's good. Yeah. That's a good, good mixture. Good mixture. I like it. I like it. And do you do you listen to podcasts? Do you have three podcasts that you listen to? Yeah. So actually, the podcasts I I've been listening to to for a long time. I, I'm apologising, Mark, because I'm not going to. I don't listen to your your podcast. All right, um, no problem. I won't take so offence. I've been listening to Dan Hill's podcast um, for a long time, and I've just recently got into um, Steve Bartlett's Diary of a CEO. Um, they're the two that I listen to on a regular basis. I dip in, in and out of there's the ultimate FD one, um, Josh Keegan's one. Um, and there's another one. Uh, there's another one on marketing. I can't think what that is, but really I only listen to two, uh, Dan Hill and Diary of a CEO. Excellent. No problem. No problem. And do you have a top three books? Well, I, I suppose the book that I would always put at the top would be Property Magic by Simon Zucci because that was the book that kind of proved to me that property investing was not a black art and that you know, there was some process in there. But it was also the book that showed me that people like Simon that were well, well and still are well-established don't talk about refurbishment and conversion. So that was the book that showed to me that there was a niche for for me to uh, you know, to, to get to get into. Um, coming away from property, I, I always talk about um, Clive Woodward's um, autobiography. Uh, so from the year that he won the Rugby World Cup, because that taught me a lot about management. It taught me a lot about building a team taught me a lot of, about being prepared for any eventuality. Um, you know, and as a kind of business owner, that's where you've got to be. You've got to be prepared for um, you know, anything that, that might, come up, might come along. And then I think there's a third one. I mean, there's so many, and I read so many books. I, I, like, I like the books by Jim Rowan. I think there's some, you know, he's got some good little, you know, uh, and I like listening to his books because I love the in- inflection in his voice as well. So, um, but actually, yeah, if I sat and thought about it, there's probably another fifty books I could highly recommend. But yeah, that's probably where I'd go at this stage. Brilliant, brilliant. I, I must say, I'm a massive Jim Rohn fan myself, and I actually do find that the more I listen to his stuff, the more I keep picking up little mm. nuggets that yeah. I've listened to loads and loads and loads of times before, and then all of a sudden, I just have the moment. I think I get it. I get actually what he's talking about when it comes to this, because there's certain things that you pick up straight away and you think, well, that makes sense. Yeah, 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 that's that's simple, but, it, it, you know, it's an easy thing. But then he, he'll just explain something else, and it's just like, I get it. I get it now. What he's, yeah. what he's trying to get across there is absolute genius. And, and getting it in the right context, which is the whole thing about the community. You know, everything is in the right context at the right time. And and that's why, you, I, I mean, yeah, I, li- I listen to books rather than read them now. And I've listened to you know, a lot of my library two, three, four times because it doesn't always go in the first time or you hear it in a different context or, yeah, I listen when I'm out walking and you miss bits as you, you know, as if a truck drives past, you'll just miss a little bit. 
and uh, hear it on another day and you're out in the countryside and you hear it and it, and it, it resonates. So, yeah, keep listening to books all the time. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, if you are interested in refurbishments, if you're looking at doing developments or anything like that, then you need to, to be following Martin. You need to be checking out what he can offer and how he can help you. So if anybody wants to reach out to you from this or anything, Martin, what's the best ways to do that, my friend? So a couple of things. First thing, if you want free information, I haven't got a problem with free information. Have a look at Refurbishment Mastery on YouTube and uh, also on Facebook. Uh, there's about 80 odd videos on on YouTube with uh, yeah, little five-minute clips, lots of little five-minute clips on there. Uh, so that's the easy way. Um, also then have a look at refurbishmentmastery.co.uk. Uh, that's that's the website. There's a couple of products on there. One of those is the Refurbishment Handbook, which I wrote for property investors back in, well, originally first edition was back in 2016. Uh, we're on to the second edition now. That is helping property investors understand the process of refurbishment. Um, and then there's also details on that website about the accelerator program, which is the community that we were talking about earlier on. The other thing is right at the top of that page is a button that says book a call. And you've got an option. Just click on the link. It will take you to uh, my diary and find a space for a call. First calls are always free. And if I can answer your question in that first call, then you've got that for free. Um, but we can certainly talk about how we can do other things together and how we can work together uh, going forwards. So, uh, yeah, they're the easiest thing. I'm, of course, on Facebook. I'm a little bit on LinkedIn, but Facebook's where you'll find more of me. So just, yeah, just put my name into Facebook. There's two Martin Rapleys on uh, on Facebook. The other fellow is interested in insects and things like that. He's called the Bug Man. Um, I'm the bloke in charge more interested in property. You'll work that out, I'm sure. Brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Well, thank you ever so much for coming on today. We'll put links to all, everything that Martin just said in the show notes as well. So if you're watching this or listening to this anywhere with show notes, you will be able to just get to Martin at the click of a button. I would like to, again, just say thank you ever so much for you coming on today, Martin. It's been absolutely brilliant having you. All right. Thanks very much for inviting me. It's uh, good speaking to you, Mark. And uh, yeah, here to help everyone with their refurbs. So yeah, keep in touch. And uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking to you all again. Thank you very much. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So as always, know what it is that you want to achieve. Have that vision. Have your goals. Break those goals down into bite-sized chunks and keep pushing yourself forward. I'd like to thank you for joining me here today. I wish you all the best and come and join me again next week or in the next episode. Please take care and bye for now. 